Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Greatest political conspiracy in the history of this republic, and we have to fight through it now till November 3rd. Stand by. The doors of the newsroom are locked and the PC police are not getting in. So sit back and relax as we unfold today's edition of the Ledger Report. And in San Diego, one anchor man was more man than the rest. His name was Graham Ledger. He was like a god walking amongst mere mortals. Stop the tape. Stop the tape. I'm sorry, Dr. Fauci. I don't get where you're going at all here. He comes out one day and says, during the pandemic, we, he, we knew about the Wuhan coronavirus when I believe it was in February. Dr. Fauci says, no, no, there's really no need to wear a mask. Uh, we'll be able to handle this virus. We need the mask for the, the professionals. Then about two months later, everybody wear a mask. <laughs> so now he tries to explain it now by saying, well, I, 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 I wanted to save those N95 men, the PPE, for the people who really needed them. And so he was being a hero. And I, I firmly believe that's what Fauci's all about here. He actually believes he's some sort of national hero. And I don't know who he voted for in 2016. I have my suspicions. It really doesn't matter. But clearly, he has undermined the President of the United States. Clearly, he has sent mixed messages. Clearly, Dr. Fauci is motivated by something other than trying to put this country back on the footing that it was six months ago, before the Wuhan coronavirus. And so Jim Jordan is trying to nail him down, but it's kind of like trying to pin Jello to the wall, right? So 
Well, he's sitting there, and, and, and Fauci's smiling through this whole thing. And Jordan is, you know, he's got his buy spectacles on there, his uh, reading glasses, and he's you know, looking up like this. And so Dr. Fauci, he, he effectively says, why, asks Dr. Fauci, Jim Jordan does, why is it okay to go out and protest, but it's not okay to go to church? And here's more of Dr. Fauci. Roll tape. As a public health official, I say crowds. Do you see the inconsistency, though, Dr. Fauci? There's no inconsistency, Congressman. There's what? No, there's no inconsistency. So you're allowed to protest millions of people on one day in crowds yelling, screaming, but you try to run your business, you get arrested? And if you stood right outside of that same business and protested, you wouldn't get arrested? You don't see an inconsistency there? I don't understand what you're asking me. Stop the tape. He understands exactly what's going on. He clearly understands what Congressman Jordan is asking, but now he's, I don't understand. Well, if Dr. Fauci doesn't understand, then, then maybe a fifth grader could explain it to Dr. Fauci, and it's relatively simple. And that is the way the government response to the Wuhan coronavirus has been handled has been completely inconsistent. Not at the federal level. At the federal level, it's been completely consistent. The President of the United States, from the beginning has said to red states and blue states alike, hey, what is it you need? What is it you want? You need ventilators? We'll get ventilators. We'll take a, a Ford factory, and we don't even have to use the statute. We don't even have to use the laws on the books to force the Ford factory. The Ford factory got the message and starts making ventilators. We produce so many ventilators in this country that suddenly there's an excess, and we're giving them away to Brazil and uh, to Europe and, and, and wherever else. They need them or we're selling them, hopefully we're making a buck on this, but the bottom line is there was the cry for the ventilators. Well, now the ventilators are in excess. There was the cry for the PEPE, and now we have plenty of PPE coming in. In fact, it's become somewhat of a cottage industry um, in the United States. And Dr. Fauci has been all along saying that the federal government needs to respond exactly how the federal government has responded, but the state level. It's Fauci's message that is percolating down to the state level. And governors like Newsom and governors like Cuomo and governors like Pritzker and the crazy woman Whitmer in Michigan, Wolf in Pennsylvania, and Murphy in New Jersey, on and on and on. And so they're taking whatever Fauci says, because he, he, he kind of gives a framework of his answers, and then he allows these blue state governors in particular to fill in the framework. And if the blue state governor, like in California, shuts down churches, then Dr. Fauci is, well, we can't have crowds. But if the blue state governors in, say, California allow for the protests within that framework, then Dr. Fauci says, well, they have a First Amendment right. So which is it? And Jim Jordan's getting frustrated, like the rest of us. He's getting a heck of a lot of frustrated. Roll tape. Public health official to opine on who should get arrested or not. That's Stop the tape. That's not, that's not what Jim Jordan is talking about here. He's not asking Fauci's opinion of who should get arrested. He's asking Fauci to be consistent. And so if Fauci comes out and says, well, these people have a First Amendment right to protest, then why can't Fauci come out and say, well, these people have a First Amendment right to go to church? Hmm? It's a, it's a very simple equation. And this is what Jim Jordan is after. But of course, Mr. Jello over here is not biting. And he does so with a smile on his... Not wearing a mask, by the way. 
You can see his Cheshire cat grin ear to ear because he's loving this. He's loving the exposure because he's got some other motivation. What the other motivation is, I don't know. We have all kinds of conspiracy theories out there. Bill Gates, remdesivir. He's got some sort of piece of the remdesivir action. He's got some sort of piece of the virus vaccine um, action along with Bill. I don't know. I don't know. There's something else going on with Dr. Fauci, though. And I don't believe it's just purely political. I don't believe it's because he voted for Hillary, which he probably did in 2016. I don't believe it's just because he does not like Donald Trump. There's something else circulating in Fauci's brain. Roll tape. Not my position. You could ask no, you've, advocated, you've advocated for certain businesses. You've advocated for certain businesses to be shut down. I'm, I'm just asking you on your position on the protest. I mean, I haven't seen one. We've heard a lot about hair salons. I haven't seen one hairstylist who, between haircuts, goes out and attacks police or sets something on fire. But we've seen all kinds of that stuff during protests, and we know the protest actually increased the spread of the virus. You've said that. I said crowds. I didn't say specifically. I didn't say protest to anything. So the protest... Stop tapes. You see, this guy's just completely slimy. Complete and total slime bag. And being an American of Italian heritage, I am disgusted by this slime ball. You know, we Italians, we, we sweat olive oil. I don't know what this guy... This guy uh, sweats WD-40 or something different. Uh, he's a complete and total slime... And Jim Jordan is trying to get an answer out of him, and clearly he won't bite. The team that the president has to work with, some of it is appointed, and some of it is the bureaucracy. Some of it is the swamp. Dr. Fauci is the swamp that the president of the United States is trying to to drain and that we all want to drain. The bureaucracy, the federal government, the federal leviathan. Dr. Fauci embodies what the President of the United States is trying to change. Dr. Burks, on the other hand, is an appointee. And because Dr. Burks is an appointee, some would say that she is more loyal to the President of the United States. I don't see it that way. I see this woman coming out there, and and she's driven by facts. She's driven by the facts and figures, which I'll get to uh, in a minute. It seems as though she comes out with the data every day, analyzes it, and then applies it as necessary, and then advises the president based on the data. Fauci's not doing that, but, but Burks is. But because Burks is an appointee, well, these folks like Nancy Pelosi apparently have a problem with Burks. They don't have a problem with Fauci. They love Fauci. They love Dr. Fauci because Fauci is often contradicting not only himself, but contradicting what and, and undermining what the President of the United States is trying to do in the federal government response to the Wuhan coronavirus. So Fauci to the Democrats, a.k.a. Nancy Pelosi and company, is the hero. Burks is the enemy. So Pelosi goes on ABC this week and is asked about that. She's made some rather derogatory statements about Dr. Burks, not Fauci. Only Dr. Burks. Roll tape. Poe reported that in a closed meeting on Friday, you accused Dr. Deborah Burks of the Coronavirus Task Force of spreading disinformation about the pandemic. Is that true? And do you have confidence in her? I, I think the president is spending, uh, spreading disinformation about the virus, and she is his 
Stop tape. So Nancy Pelosi believes that the President of the United States is spreading disinformation when he comes out and he gives the raw data that Dr. Burks gives to him. The President is only as good as the data, and the data is going to multiple sources, I'm sure, but Dr. Burks is the point person for the data and interpreting the data. And because she's not Dr. Fauci, and because she is an appointee of the President of the United States, she has a target on her forehead because of, uh, if you're a Democrat, if, 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 if somebody happens to break the narrative of Dr. Fauci, which, again, is this framework that allows the Democrats to fill it in however they want, if someone is more definitive like Dr. Burks and comes out and says, okay, these are the hot spots, and this is what you ought to be doing or, or potentially doing, um, and, and the rest of the country uh, can go do its thing. No, 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 no. That's not what the Democrats want. The Democrats want this entire country shut down as much as possible. Absolutely shut down. And, and California, California, there's a headline uh, in The Hill uh, that is reporting that California had the uh, highest number of deaths in one day at 219, a record-breaking number of deaths in California. Now, um, this is a dream come true for the Democrat Party, right? Here you have this Marxist socialist governor in California who has shut down as much as he can of the Golden State without having complete and total rioting in the streets. So he's got California completely crippled right now. California is running out of eight cylinders. It's running on maybe four cylinders. So... This harms gross domestic product, not only in California, but it harms gross domestic product in the United States as part of a, a chunk of the overall gross domestic products. Why we saw gross domestic product down, what was it, 33% the last uh, reporting in the second quarter. And so this is, is what they want. They don't want Burks coming out saying, hey, you know, if, if you're a state, Idaho or what have you, that doesn't have a heck of a lot of problems out there, Go ahead and live your life. They don't want that. They want as much of the United States shut down as possible to cripple the economy in order to try and harm the re-election chances of Donald Trump. And by the way, give sloppy Joe Biden some fodder for the debates, you know, because you know it's going to be brutal in the debates. The president can go on and he can say, look, this is where the economy was nine months ago, and I'm going to fix it. You know, as soon as we get through the looking glass of the Wuhan coronavirus, I'm going to come back. And we're going to come back, and we're going to do exactly what we did nine months ago. So Joe Biden doesn't have anything. Joe Biden has eight years of Barack Obama at around one and a half, two percent gross domestic product for eight years, with their well-shined shoes on the throats of the U.S. economy. And here you have Donald Trump taking the shoe off of the throat of the U.S. economy, and so it gives Joe Biden some um, a little bit of fodder. Uh, something he can at least look into the camera, those deer in the headlights look, and say, "Well, I, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try and uh, fix the economy that Donald Trump bro- broke." Uh, next question. <laughs> oh, I see, my time is out. Um, 219 deaths in California. Now, when you start breaking down where the deaths are coming from, it creates this little vein in California. And the vein starts up at the, from the border 
in Imperial County, California, and it goes up toward past Los Angeles in the central section of California, up into what we used to call the breadbasket of the United States, you know, where a lot of the agriculture comes from in this country. And this is harvest season, you know. This is when they're packing the cherries. You know, those cherries you're buying, a lot of them are coming from the Central Valley of California. Well, how do they get those cherries picked? Hmm? How do they get the uh, artichokes in Castroville uh, cut and, and harvested and packed? How do they get the lettuce packed in the Monterey barrier? How do they get the peaches from the orchards uh, in the San Joaquin Valley? Well, these are farm workers, farm workers from Mexico. Some of them are legal, some of them are illegal. I don't know which is which, but I do know this, that Mexico cases are surging, and these people surge across the border right about now, and they bring with them their suitcases and their Wuhan coronavirus. And so the reason the hospitals are peaking a little bit in, in California and the cases have gone up and the deaths, unfortunately, have gone up is Many of them are not Americans. Many of them are from Mexico. They're not reporting this in the mainstream media, and we don't know the exact numbers. I would love to know the numbers, but they're not reporting it. And of course, the HIPAA laws, the HIPAA laws yeah, prevent us from knowing exactly uh, what is going on. But if Californians are dreaming of a free economy again, and in certain counties going into a restaurant. So you realize that in California, you still can't go into a restaurant and sit down and eat in most counties, if not all. I don't know. If the guy, I can't remember what the governor did. But the two-thirds of California originally, mm -mm, you cannot go into a restaurant. Bars are completely shut down. Restaurants, you can have food to go. Have you ever tried to order sushi to go? Sushi to go doesn't work, especially in warm weather, right? I mean, this thing's got it. Sushi has like this clock ticking on it. As soon as the chef, you know, rolls it up and cuts it, there is a clock ticking on sushi, and it's about five minutes at the most, I think. And once sushi sits there, especially if it has avocado in it, but the rice, you know, starts to dry out, and everything starts to get a little bit weird. And when I, that sushi sits down in front of me, I got to eat this stuff. I got to eat it quick. And uh, the moisture starts uh, evaporating and the fish starts, you know, whatever the fish is doing in there. The bottom line is you got to eat sushi quick. You can't get sushi to go, drive 20 minutes home, open it up and expect it to be decent to eat. I mean, you probably still eat it, but it's all dried out, all kind of weird. But this is the way it is in California right now. These restaurants, the ones that are crippled and, and limping along and trying to survive, are doing it to go. And some are outside. And, and suddenly, this is the irony of California right now. Suddenly, these local municipalities are working at breakneck speed to allow permits for these restaurants to set up tables like on the sidewalk or in the parking lot. Suddenly, that's doable in California. Isn't that amazing? Because it takes years, normally, to get some kind of permit to get the okay and the environmental study and this person has to check and then after that person and, oh, and I got to go on my break, I got to go to lunch, oh, well, no, I'm on vacation. You're just going to have to wait there, restaurant. Usually, it takes years to get approval to put a table on a sidewalk 
and have outdoor eat. Now, suddenly, it's days. And these local municipalities are saying, oh, fine. Yeah, you can have tables outside, and we'll sign off on that one, and you can have that table in the parking lot, we'll sign off on that one. It's amazing. It's amazing how the minutia suddenly went away because they're realizing that their tax revenue is going in the toilet. And if you live in California, your days are numbered. I'm warning you now. Not only are your property taxes going to go up, and by the way, the property taxes are on the ballot in November for the commercial side, but the residential side, that's next in California. Your property taxes are going to go up. Your sales tax, there's a big sales tax in California. That's going to go up. Uh, your gasoline tax is going to go up. Absolutely, 100%. Already did go up right in the middle of this thing. It went up in July. And they could have stopped it. No, no, are you kidding me? They need the money. As uh, they said in Animal House, we need the dues. And, of course, income taxes. Look out. They're going to probably figure out a way to lower the income taxes for people who make under thirty dollars or $40,000 a year. And anybody over $40,000 a year is going to be deemed rich, and your income taxes are going to go up. Your days are numbered in California. It's going to be ugly because they have a giant black fiscal hole in Sacramento and they're going to figure out some way to fix it, to fill it. And that's going to happen at the local level as well. You live in Los Angeles, you people in Los Angeles or San Francisco, imagine how how much the, the tax revenue has been lowered uh, and the budget shortfall is going to be, especially in some place like Los Angeles. And you have the crazy man Garcetti at the helm there who's just not going to back off on his spending, of course. He's going to continue to spend like the, the, the Marxist uh, that he is. The original point, of course, of, of Jim Jordan is what we're seeing in uh, Portland. And what is it, like day 475? I, I mean, it's crazy. It's absolute anarchy. In, it's been, uh, I don't know, uh, 80, 64 straight days. 64 straight days of demonstrations. Violent demonstrations, yes. And they're trying to burn down the courthouse, right? This last episode, I think on uh, Saturday, 150 rounds were fired at an apartment building? 150 rounds? This is crazy. And so Donald Trump sends in the troops there, and I, I understand what he's trying to do, and I applaud him for it. But in this election cycle, we can't do it. Don't do it. What you should be doing, the White House should be doing, is saying, hey, we're ready for you. We're on standby. We'll send in the federal troops if you want. You good people of Chicago, for example, which has turned into a war zone under Mayor Lightweight, We'll send in the federal troops if you want, but it's gonna got to come through your mayor and put the pressure on her. Don't just send in federal troops unilaterally. In this day and age, with the mainstream media, the enemy of the White House and the enemy of this republic and the enemy of the United States Constitution, don't do it unilaterally. You've got to pull back and get the message to the American people via these fireside chats that I believe the president should do on Corona, but also, of course, you can weave in these incidents in, in Portland and other major cities. Say, hey, good people of Portland, I know you exist there. I know there are some good people in Portland. We'll send in the troops, but your, your governor, your mayor, 
has got to request it. This is the way the Federalist system works, and this is the way the president should handle it. But we also have another issue going on here, and again, this goes to what Jim Jordan was trying to extract from Dr. Fauci. And that is, in Washington, D.C., for example, it's just fine for Black Lives Matter to go up to people in an outdoor restaurant with a megaphone and scream things like, You people are evil. You need to support Black Lives Matter. The Marxist socialist Black Lives Matter over there, of course, they don't include that. It's just fine for that to happen. It's just fine for hundreds, thousands of people to march through the streets. But apparently it's not fine for a pro-life group to go out in front of a Planned Parenthood location in Washington, D.C. and have a couple of pieces of chalk, you know, the kind of chalk from a chalkboard or that uh, we used to play with as, as children and ride on the sidewalk with. Apparently, that is verboten. And so in Washington, D.C., these pro-life students were simply trying to send a message of pro-life that all black lives matter or, or some sort of version of that black Preborn lives matter. I would say, just to simplify the message, black aborted lives matter. Suddenly the police are called. So it's okay. This is what Jordan was after. It's okay that we have thousands and thousands of people rioting in the streets in Portland, but these kids who are pro-life out in front of Planned Parenthood in, on public property, public property, not on private property, with a little bit of chalk, are arrested. Roll tape. This isn't the abolition of slavery, but this is the abolition of what we know as the greatest civil rights struggle in our culture today, and that is for preborn lives. And so we're going to stand here today, and we've discussed this. We're national since they are they, they're descending upon us and not allowing us to do what we should be able to do peaceably. Then we're actually going to march. And if anybody is watching, we're going to gather at nine thirty. All right, stop tape. You get the point there. The point is, is that it's perfectly fine for the Black Lives Matter, Antifa, and the rioters to take over the streets of Washington, D.C., or Portland, or, or Los Angeles, or Chicago, or what have you. But it's not okay to take a piece of purple chalk and write, Black Aborted Lives Matter. This is the society, this is the environment in which we live right now. And this is the political environment. And it's all anti-constitutional, all anti-Bill of Rights, and all anti-Donald Trump. And so what the president must do is try and be above all this and by, certainly bypass the mainstream media and get his message out directly to the American people like this, like the president had an update on Operation Warp Speed, which is this effort to build the virus, right? And so he can go directly to the American people and say, here is the latest on Operation Warp Speed. We're on it, ladies and gentlemen. Roll tape. 90% of the world's supply of remdesivir, which has been very, very successful, and have sent over 143 vials to Florida hospitals as a uh, 
really something that's very special and we're working on very hard. Operation Warp Speed, today we reached a $2 billion agreement with Sanofi and GSX to conduct clinical trials and mass produce 100 million doses of vaccine. What we've done is uh, rather incredible, I have to say. We have uh, many companies, great companies, Johnson & Johnson, Merck, Pfizer, many companies are very close to getting the vaccine. We think it's going to be uh, uh, in a very short time from now. Stop, tape. Okay, so you get the point. The point is, he's very optimistic. He's being the optimistic uh, president, the optimist-in-chief, right? And he should be. And by the way, he's talking about remdesivir. Uh, mainstream media, are you paying attention? He didn't even use the word or the term hydroxychloroquine, did he? Oh, it's amazing. He talked about remdesivir. And I'm, I'm sure Dr. Fauci was very happy about that because, you know, he has some sort of interest in this remdesivir. And that's the one that he's been pushing, by the way, is remdesivir. It's, it's a wonderful drug. Hydroxychloroquine. Ah, nah, nah, nah. Even though all these doctors are coming out, they have the guts to come out and say hydroxychloroquine plus the z pack plus zinc uh, seems to be working very well. And then you had the media coming out, by the way, and saying uh, about this hydroxychloroquine, well, it, it doesn't seem to work very well in the later stages of COVID-19. No kidding. <laughs> no kidding. You give somebody hydroxychloroquine on their deathbed and it... They say, oh, well, it didn't work. Those were part of the, quote, trials. That was part of the data. They gave people on their deathbed hydroxychloroquine and said, oh, well, it, it, it didn't work. Well, I got a news bulletin for you, mainstream media. If you have an infection and you wait until the later stages of the infection to give that person penicillin, they're probably not going to make it either. The drug needs to be given early on, most of the time, right? And same thing with cancer. If you wait to treat cancer in the later stages, the chances of surviving cancer are lower. Hello? What do you expect? And so, well, the mainstream media comes out and says, well, there are, there's evidence that you know, hydroxychloroquine doesn't work in all cases, and it's, it's and there's, there's, uh, there's terrible side effects, potentially. Oh, nonsense. Absolute nonsense. I can't even believe we're debating any of this. If my doctor, my physician says, I asked him, I said, if you were around a patient, he's only had one, by the way. He's had one COVID patient. But if you were around COVID patients or you thought you were exposed or you contracted the thing, would you take hydroxychloroquine? He said, hell yeah. He said, hell yeah. And all these other physicians say the same thing, the ones that are not voting for Joe Biden this year. The ones who are voting for Joe Biden are saying, well, you know, this hydroxychloroquine, that's just, ah, it's, uh, it's unproven. Oh, no. Remdesivir? Well, maybe. Maybe because Dr. Fauci says it's great. So it's interesting. If you look at the, the latest numbers, um, by the way, 56 million tests total in the United... Tell me that that's not a minor miracle, right? Because that's, uh, what, it's roughly one-sixth... Is my math right? One-sixth of the United States, the population of the United States. That's a hell of a lot. 60 million people closely. Close to 60 million people. Of those 56 million, 51 million were negative. 
56 million total cases, 51 million negative. And the total number of cases you can extract is around four and a half million. But it's interesting, you know, the president is saying all along, and we have two, the more you test, the more you're going to have positive cases. It's the same thing with the flu, by the way. I was just looking at the flu numbers. It's a miracle in this country. We had a pretty good flu season going, and all of a sudden in February when the Wuhan coronavirus uh, was on the scene and the CDC started tracking the Wuhan coronavirus, the flu numbers just dropped off the chart. Why is that? Well, why did that happen? Why were there suddenly no flu cases and suddenly uh, we have all these COVID cases? Could, could someone at the CDC explain that one to me? Um, so the cases, the, the testing has kind of dropped off here these last couple of days, the first couple of days of August. And as the, the testing has dropped off, the new cases. So the, 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 the graph kind of goes up and then down for that's the testing. And then it, mirror image of the new cases up and then down. Uh, same kind of graph. Same with the hospitalizations. It's a, it's a miracle, right? Hospitalizations uh, down. Now, the deaths, the deaths had been straight down and then leveled out in July and ticked up a little bit in August. Now, again, there's two things that we have to always talk about when we're looking at deaths. Uh, and that is what I talked about, the phenomenon of the season right now where all these folks are coming up from Mexico. They are. I'm sorry, but they are. And they're not just California. It's Arizona, it's New Mexico, it's Texas, it's Alabama, it's Louisiana. They're, they're coming up and they're, they're in the southern part of the country. That's why there's hot spots in the southern part of the country. It's one of the reasons why. So, um, so that when we look at the death numbers, we always have to remember that phenomenon as well as the fact that the numbers are corrupt. And we know the numbers are corrupt. And if you go on the CDC website, you'll, you'll see how corrupt the numbers are. They won't just say COVID-19 deaths. They'll say COVID-19 plus pneumonia, plus influenza, plus pulmonary, plus... It's difficult just to extract, number one, a, a pure COVID-19 death. But we also know that these hospitals are getting more money when they deem a patient COVID-19, when they diagnose a, case, a patient COVID-19. We also know they're getting even more money when they put a COVID-19 patient on a ventilator. And so there is a financial advantage and a financial incentive to put these people labeled as COVID-19. And this is one of the reasons why the numbers are corrupt. But here's Governor Ron DeSantis, because the president was talking about Florida. Here's Governor Ron DeSantis. This needs to be part of the messaging from the White House, and not only from a red state governor, but I think you'll have some blue state governors saying something like this. Roll tape. I want to thank uh, the administration for supporting us uh, with the fight against uh, COVID-19. Uh, anytime we needed anything, you know, we would talk to the president, vice president, and we would get it. Anytime we needed anything, we would get it. Anytime we needed anything from the Trump White House on COVID-19, we would get it. This is the message the American people need to hear, not just from Ron DeSantis and not just from Governor Abbott in these red states, but they need to hear it from the lunatic in California and the lunatic in Illinois and the lunatic in New York and all the other blue states. And the president of the United States could do this now through November 3rd, have these fireside chats with the American people to get the word out that, hey, 
We are working together. We're doing everything that we can. And what do you need, Governor Newsom? What do you need, Governor Pritzker? What do you need, Governor Inslee, uh, in Washington state? And we know now that the convention, the Republican convention, um, is effectively not going to be held at all in Florida. I don't know. There's going to be some sort of remnants of it. Um, and it's going to be held, uh, a lot of it's going to be held online. There's going to be some private gatherings. I don't know. I'm hearing it's going to be in um, Florida or it's going to be in North Carolina, which was the original site of the Republican National Convention. That's fine. That's fine. This is a smart move. It's a disappointment, yes. It's a huge disappointment. The president will still deliver his acceptance speech. They'll figure out a way to do it. Maybe they'll do it like Major League Baseball. Maybe they'll have him in an auditorium, a huge uh, place. I don't know. Pick, a, pick an auditorium. Indoor, outdoor, doesn't matter. And then they can have cardboard cutouts. That's a great idea. This is a brilliant idea. GOP, are you listening? Kaylee McElhaney, are you, are you listening? Are you listening over there at uh, Republican uh, National Committee headquarters? How about for donors? You know, we could, we could uh, for $100 or whatever, we could have a cardboard cutout of ourselves in the stands. <laughs> can you imagine? Can you imagine how many people would go for that? A cardboard cutout, just like they're doing in some of these baseball stands. Bizarro. It's bizarre, but why not? Why not go with the flow? And then you could have the, you know, the, uh, the audio. <laughs> Crowd goes crazy. You could just ride the audio and the president could hear it, you know, as he's delivering his speech. And he can look out over all these cardboard cutouts of Graham Ledger. <laughs> oh, it's a brilliant idea. By the way, did I mention this is a Ledger report and I'm Graham Ledger? I think I did not. Um. But this is a smart move because, in the end, if the president did not do this, if the president went on, and I, listen, every ounce of my body says, go on and have the convention the way you should. I know what the mainstream media would do. They would descend upon there with their mask on. They would have their mask on and they would be interviewing people. Why don't you have a mask on? You know, why aren't you social distancing? Why are you here? Oh, look at this person. Oh, now this person tested positive. Oh, my goodness. And then look down the road here in Orlando where the, um, the NBA, the, the, uh, the not, uh, not uh, I had an acronym for the NBA. I can't remember what it was. Not Being American. That's what it was. NBA, Not Being American League is in their little bubble. And their Black Lives Matter little T-shirts. Look at them. They're doing fine in their radical anti-America messaging. Why aren't you doing the same thing, Mr. Trump? You know that's what they would do. They would hammer the hell out of not only the president, but everybody there. They would stick microphones in people's faces and say, why are you spreading the Wuhan coronavirus? Why aren't you wearing a mask? Why aren't you social distancing? Not doing any of their homework. They don't care. They just want to make people look bad. They want to make the Republicans look bad. And of course, they want to make President Trump look bad. So this is the right move. Even though it's, it is highly disappointing and a letdown to not be able to do this. But hell, it's been a letdown that, that they canceled the Major League Baseball season. I know, I know. They're taking their knees and all, I can't watch. I cannot watch. 
but it still was a letdown right around spring training when all this happened. It's a letdown when they canceled all these things, concerts, uh, when they closed restaurants, when they, they shut down water parks. You know, in some parts of the country, it's pretty hot, hot right now, and you can't go to a water park in, in some, you know, it's an outdoor facility. Oh, that Wuhan coronavirus, you know, it's going to live in on that uh, on those pieces of metal, the handrail that, Turned to 500 degrees in the middle of summertime. So stupid. So stupid. I go to these, these community pools where they have, you know, some are normal and the, the, the lawn furniture, the pool furniture is out, but some have it stacked up, you know, 10 feet high and a blue tarp over it. So stupid. If it's hot enough to go to the pool, it's hot enough for the Wuhan coronavirus to die if somebody who happened to have it, which I doubt they'd be going to the pool, they'd be sick probably unless they're asymptomatic. But the bottom line is even if they were asymptomatic and they touch a piece of metal that turns to 700 degrees in the middle of summer, I don't think that's going to be transmissible. Unbelievable how common sense and all things United States Constitution and the Bill of Rights have been tossed out the window during this entire Wuhan coronavirus episode. But back to the sports. This is my ledger register for the week. The question, are you boycotting the NBA, NFL, Major League Baseball because of their acceptance and promotion of anti-American political positions? Now, that is a leading question, but it's also accurate. The NBA, NFL, and parts of Major League Baseball are not only accepting this anti-America, Black Lives Matter nonsense, but they're promoting it. I mean, look at the NBA. I've seen pictures. I'm not watching. I, I swear on my daughter's life, I'm not watching. I'm not going to watch. Even if the bars were open and I could go in and I would say, could you either turn that off or I'm going to go somewhere else or I'm going to go another part of the bar. I'm not watching the Black Lives Ladder, Matter League. Um, they are committing crimes against the United States Constitution. And so this is our choice in the end as consumers. Do we put up with this or do we reject it? I pray to God that the NBA gets the message and that enough Americans are boycotting so they stop. And then we can go back to being able to watch basketball. I'm not a huge basketball fan, but I am a big NFL fan and I can't watch. I can't watch if they're kneeling during the national anthem. And if they do it at college football, I'm not going to watch them either. I am disgusted by all of this. And the Major League Baseball, my San Francisco Giants, they're taking the knee. I I don't even want to think about it. I mean, it disgusts me that much that we have got to put pressure on these leagues monetarily. This is the only thing that they'll answer, right? If we see their ratings drop down in half, they're going to get it. Come on. What other reason? You have half the country on lockdown. They want to watch Major League Baseball. If the Major League Baseball ratings are slashed in half, what other reason would it be? And hopefully um, they would get the message. This is all part and parcel to what we're up against in this environment right now, in this political environment uh, in this country, largely driven by the government response to the Wuhan coronavirus which unfortunately is now the greatest political conspiracy in the history of this republic. 
And it is being perpetuated on the American people for one reason and one reason only. These blue state governors, these blue state mayors, Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, the Democrat Party are conspiring in order to drive a wedge between the American people and the President of the United States, to foment this fear and allow a cover for these Democrat blue state governors to keep their economies crippled in order to harm the overall economy, in order to harm the re-election chances of Donald Trump. The greatest, unbelievable. I mean, if you had told me this was happening nine months ago, I would have said, you're nuts. What were you talking about? A virus? A virus is going to open the door to shutting down the United States economy? The greatest political conspiracy in the history, in the modern history, I think in the history ever, of this republic. This edition of the Ledger Report is on its way. The Archives Library of Congress, thank you for listening. I'm Graham Ledger. And remember, when I'm wrong, I'm right.